podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the guests are sound. Through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart, but they're still your team. It's far from doom and gloom. So tune in now and get involved with the blues. Okay, we are back, uh, refreshed. I'm ready to talk about. Uh, well, it was. I mean, I think I thought that the January in the last season was as bad as it could get for Everton, but this one somehow rivaled it, didn't it? Um, we after <laughs> after the last one where we sacked a manager after signing players and then sacking guy after the football, leaving the new manager with no time to really do anything before the transfer window closed. Um, we went to, and did exactly the same, pretty much, without actually signing anyone, selling somebody who was uh, among our top scorers at the time. Um, the board stopped turning up to games. Um, there was a statement put out, which was in turn sort of used as a way of weaponising, but it was weaponised against the supporters, and it all just got absolutely insane, didn't it? Um, looking back at that period, Adam, um, you know, and, and, you know, and among that, we lost against Brighton and conceded the most hilarious goal I think I've ever seen. Um, that one where Tarkovsky tried to headbutt the floor. Yeah, uh, McNeil over hit the free kick, Patterson bottled out of the tackle, Garner played the worst pass I've ever seen a professional footballer play, and then Gross dinked it over Pickford, who in turn took out Tarkovsky. And then I think Mikolenko tried to slide in and got tangled in the net, didn't he, at the end of it as well? Yeah. So um, we also lost to Southampton. Um, so that made I think it twice in three games that we lost to the team bottom of the league at home. I think that was the low point of the season. That yeah. day. But I think I think I remember walking out the ground that day, and it was like all the stuff that gone on earlier, the way in which the board had sort of hung the fans up to dry a little bit, and the protest after that game, fans stopping Yerry Mina in the car, and it just felt like this team is done, and we are we are gonna we are gonna go this year. Um, did you get that? feeling of existential dread as well Adam definitely yeah uh, I, I I, that was was that my first game back like that I, that I went back as a fan it must have been close you were on the post podcast I remember yeah because I was in, I was in the Denby beforehand as well uh, when all that statement came through and all of us were just going pardon <laughs> yeah. it, it, it instantly didn't make sense like right from the start and then yeah, and going going to that game. Do you know what? I was I was I wish Anthony Gordon had been sold sooner. Like so they didn't make <laughs> so they didn't make that stupid tackle. Like that was something like I've mentioned on Twitter before, like what were your low key bad moments of the season and like three people have mentioned that tackle That's, himself, that's, gen- that's genuinely one of the worst moments of the season. Like I I just don't understand how a professional footballer goes, This is a, this is the right time to make this tackle <laughs> and make and make this quite clearly obvious foul. And then like with you know James Ward-Prowse, the best free kick taker in the Premier League, maybe in Europe's top yeah, five leagues yeah. at that time. Like it was just waiting to ping it into the back of the net. It was just it just made no sense whatsoever. So yeah, I, I would have been delighted if Anthony Gordon would have just been sold directly after the final <laughs> whistle there. If they, if they if they just had anything to stop you know fans chasing him down the street, I suppose it would have it would have looked a little bit better. It like it's as you say, like everything. Everything seems to compile against 
not even not even just against Everton, like against Everton's fans at, at, at that time. Like that was that was what that was what what felt really. Real. What's the right word that I'm looking for here? Yeah. But there's, like, there's, like, a, there's a bus welcome that day, wasn't there? And like, yeah. I, I remember, like, it was a bit like walking out the ground and thinking, like, oh, why? Why are we bothering? Like, this is all going to happen as That's well. It. Like, like, if, 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 like, I suppose disenchanting is, is, is probably, like, as, as a fan, you just felt like, well, why, why, why are we getting yeah. thrown under the bus here? Why, why are we getting slated? We're not the ones on the pitch. We're not the ones in the boardroom making the decisions. We're the ones who are turning up every week, you know, even before this game with, like, this massive coach welcome that, you know, played a massive part in keeping us up the previous season. Like, we're the ones who have been doing that and suddenly, apparently, we're the problem. And it just it, it just felt it just felt really wrong. Like, you, you were leaving that game not even... Just disappointed at the loss. You were you you were just feeling disappointed at everything about the way the club had gone yeah. at that point. Like it it didn't really feel like Everton anymore. Like that that did feel like the time when like battle lines were drawn yeah. between you know ballroom and fans. And yeah, you know, it, it just never seemed to me like like especially in mid January as, as it was then. Like I remember going home after that game and going, "There's no way that a club." Can declare war on itself, essentially, yeah. and stay up. Like the, the, with the way that we were playing, and just how toxic it had the potential to get. Like there was just, uh, there was just no doubt in my mind that, that, like, I think that was probably the most convinced that I was that Everton were gonna go down because it was, like, yeah, as I say, it was not only getting beat by Nathan Jones and Southampton, <laughs> by the way, which is only win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and of itself, is dreadful. Well, you also beat um, the current treble winners elect, didn't he, as well in the oh, League Cup? Only yeah. win in the. Yeah, we we also got a point off that Man City team. Erling <laughs> Haaland lost his mind, so you know. Do, do you know what though? I was thinking, like you know, you were speaking before about like Southampton the second their manager. Like I was thinking, in an alternative universe, we could have sacked Lampard before the break and appointed Nathan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine, imagine that. <laughs> I, think, I think we we would have been better Joneses to take over at that point than Nathan Jones. And let me tell you, I know nothing about football management. I love, by the way, it's nothing to do with Everton, but I love his pitch to keep the job effectively insulting all the people and employ him it's like the boldest move I've ever seen to just go like basically everyone above me is crappy but I feel I should keep the job anyway it's not the same round when he said I could have got married a Welsh girl and stayed in my village the, yeah, 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 yeah. it's very um, kind of man of the valleys but I mean what, what was your recollection at the time because I mean I, t- I totally have got to say as well we also had the Farhad Mashiri open letter followed by the interview with the fan advisory board where no one was really sure <laughs> he was in the same room as Giles. We, pro- we, pro- we promised everyone would sign a striker and we didn't. I mean, it was just, it felt like every day, Paddy, like there was a new bit of Everton Circus to, to latch onto, wasn't yeah, there? I think circus is the right word when you look at the January as a whole. I remember from the Southampton game thinking that not only is this a bad football team with kind of serious failings, and quite evidently in the middle of a relegation battle of its own volition. But also, the ones that survive 
are, are tend to be the ones that are united, that can present a united front, yeah. and Everton were moving in the exact opposite direction, and that was the really worrying, concerning thing throughout it all. It, it almost felt like the club was imploding, yeah. and imploding from within, but it wasn't just... It, it was almost like, you know, when the Joker... Is in the in Dark Knight, yeah. the Dark Knight films, we kind of throws he lobs like the detonators into the hospital. It almost felt like that was Everton doing it to yeah. Everton, <laughs> which was just it was so bizarre to to kind of watch that unfold. But as you say, it kind of progressively went on and on and on. And I suppose the end of the window was 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 chaotic, and they didn't do what they needed to do. But you've also got, as you say. Kind of managers coming and going, Dan Juma turning up at Finch Farm and giving training gear while he's waiting <laughs> on Villarreal to complete their side of the paperwork. Him leaving, him then tr- being about to come back when Tottenham phone and ask him to join there, and he obviously goes there. Um, Mashiri promising a striker that they don't get, which is kind of a fundamental, I think, in this season. One of the kind of the main failings. And all of that, we're led to believe, was because he was kind of assured Don Juma was virtually in the bag. And was, is he was even done. a striker? No, he's not a, he's not a striker. He's a, he's, a, he's a forward, he's yeah. a winger, he's a wide player. Um, I think Don Juma would have made a massive impact, actually. And was probably just about the best they could have got in that position as a loan signing. Um, but just chaotic, turbulent... And a situation almost entirely of Everton's making. And again, going back to the season as a whole, I think one of the, the themes for me, it's almost been a kind of a self-sabotage. It's been a season... Like, if, if Everton had gone down, they couldn't have really had any complaints. It was kind of merited from within the club. And I'm not talking about individual staff. I'm talking about the, the institution, the hierarchy. It was almost like that. It was they kind of they would have got what they deserved in in that sense. Thankfully, that didn't happen because lots of kind of good people would have lost their jobs and and it would have created a kind of a really difficult situation. But yeah, a situation entirely of of, of kind of their own making, I'd say, and and kind of self sabotage. Obviously, not willful sabotage at times, but definitely sabotage. Yeah, it felt like. Like, I know Farhan Mashiri has said things that have not turned out to be true at Everton a lot since he came in. And again, that would be quite an understatement. But it felt like then, like, the, what was quite a brittle and precarious, like, level of trust was just, like, completely shattered, wasn't it? Like, after what happened against Southampton, after what happened with that interview about we'll get a striker or we need a striker, we'll get one. Like, it just... And I think that's, like, that's still the case now. It feels like... The fans now are sort of in a situation where whatever anyone says at the football club about, about anything, like no, no one's going to believe it. All yeah. you know, you know, yeah. as much as like, say we got a statement tonight from somebody on the board saying we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and like they laid out like the best possible forward plan in words you could think of. Everyone would look at it and go, "Well, look who's saying it." And like that, that, that that's kind of the issue, isn't it? Now, like it's it's. It's completely gone, and like at times we've like looked at Farhad Machine and rolled our eyes when like we weren't in immediate peril of relegation and going, oh, you know, Farhad again, you know, like a, an uncle at Christmas who says the wrong thing or something like that. Well, it used to be funny, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it used yeah. to sound like kind of Bane was going on yeah. talk sports and Sky, but it, 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 it's not funny when the club has plummeted yeah. to that level, and you can see everything is on the line. You can see relegations there. Yeah. You can see everything's kind of in front of you. It, it stopped. It stopped being funny a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. For, for Everton. I'd say. Yeah. I'm sorry, fan, for you going there. Um, but then, of course, um, Lampard went eventually. 
I mean, should have been after the. I mean, right. the, fact, the fact he limped onto West Ham was was very poor, wasn't it? I think everyone sort of knew at that point that he was gone. Um, I think there was a United Cup game as well, wasn't there? I think everyone sort of assumed he'd go after that. Um, and they, they went and got um, Sean Dyche at him. Um, and do you know, like just just talking about like what that January was like and how bad it was and how we all felt, it sort of like gives me a bit more perspective on like the, the job he, he did in the end yeah. and like and how and how and how you know it was not an easy feat by any means to keep this football club in the Premier League because not only were things going on at Everton but teams around us were spending money yeah. they weren't selling a key player and not replacing them you know and you looked at that squad that he'd inherited and you go well we've got one barely functioning striker we've got two wingers and we've got a, a lot of football to be played and we're 19th in the Premier League yeah do you remember before that the weird little interview that Ken Wright and Machidi did outside the outside yes. the London Stadium. Yeah. That was like, again, that's just another mad bit of the season I mean, that's literally just come back to me now. But they both kind of like blamed each other and like sort of underhandedly, yeah, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they were very non committal about Lampard's future at that yeah. time, even though it was like well, I, I say that like we'd all been saying it was patently obvious that he was gonna go before then, but like it seemed even more so obvious that he was going to go then. Do you know what's just, it's just come back to me as well? Uh-oh. Bielsa, what and Bielsa, <laughs> and, how, and how he wanted to he wanted to take, take over the twenty ones and live in a, and live in the top of a shop by Finch Farm. Didn't he? he got he got Google up on Finch Farm on his computer and looked at potential places to live by the training ground. I mean, I mean, Dice kept us off, and it was it was good, but that would have been amazing one day if Bielsa had come in and took over those players. He would have. Uh... He would have took over the first team then, do you reckon if uh, Bielsa was done? The, the, the translator fellow that follows him around everywhere from Leeds. That would have been interesting. That would have been quite funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would have been interesting. I mean, the most ludicrous plan you could think of there, and I, I suppose, thankfully, that ruled him out, because... I would have been awful. At the time, I was like, yes. Tatey and Baines. Tatey and Baines in his first team coach. They took, like, one one or two training sessions, didn't they? They did. And I think the club tried to kind of create this upbeat atmosphere by posting images of them. Like, if there's some, like, a modern-day Everton player you can lean on in that situation to just try and help, it's probably Baines or Ferguson. Yeah. There's loads of images of Baines and pristine turf of Finch Farm. Um, taking training sessions and I think they probably expected a sense of feel good feel yeah, good factor yeah. after that but like you just go on the comments underneath and again <laughs> it's just like sort yourselves out just just please just get something sorted and mm-hmm. if, if Leighton Baines can't kind of dig you out of the mire then I suppose nobody's going to in that situation it, it wasn't quite Vito Pereira going on Sky Sports to talk about Everton's interview process but it was <laughs> it was up there like that was when he like, interviewed himself didn't he for the job he's like well I've got these qualifications and I can do this and he, just, he felt he got to the Sky Sports stage of the, of the yeah, interview that, process that was just incredible that. but yeah like, uh, like going back to the actual original question yeah it, it, it does kind of sum up just how well Daesh kind of brought everything together quite early as well like it, the, those those sort of ideals that we were seeing in the Daesh team towards the end of the season were quite quickly established for, from from that like first game against Arsenal even though that was a little bit of an, an anomaly I think but like a lot of those qualities still remains like the from from that point onwards you kind of knew what Daesh's Everton were going to try and do for the majority of the time and that's kind of what they stuck to for right up until the end of the season and the fact that he's managed to do that with not only a disjointed squad with the 
players signed by about seven different managers or something like yeah. that be- beforehand, with turmoil going on above him. Um, yeah. Fans in, you know, quite quite rightly in yeah. in uproar at that point. You know, I think he did well to he did well to tread the line at that point, especially in his you know first sort of interviews that he did of. You know, you, you, it, it wasn't as if he was he was like attacking the board from the yeah. start, but he was going, well, now we need the fans with us, and if the fans want to protest, fine, off you go and protest. But when you're in the stadium, get behind the lads, and that's what the fans yeah. only wanted to do from the start. And the fact, I think, the fact that he that he hit that point very early doors was probably quite important to him, and it it did kind of win a lot of fans over to his side quite quickly, and. You know, it did. It did manage to spark something for, you know, the, from then until the end of the season, which did eventually <laughs> manage yeah. to keep Everton keep Everton in the uh, in the Premier League. But yeah, I, I, d- I do think maybe now that we're looking back on it from this point uh, in the in the summer, you, you do kind of forget how how just shambolic yeah. every level of the club was at that point and how hard it must be for not only Deitch but like all of his staff as well to come in and try and try and work in that environment and you know to produce what they did with you know as Paddy was saying before with a squad which you could definitely say was worse than Leicester's attacking wise was worse than Leeds you know and to you know keep keep us up in, at, at the expense of both of those teams it, it is quite impressive, so fair play. Yeah. I, th- I think that from very early doors, he exuded a composure and a kind of quiet reassurance. Yeah. And I think that that kind of was transmitted out into the fan base, not only the players, but also to the fan base. So immediately I felt as though Everton were in better, more capable yes. hands. Yeah. Um, the peculiar thing about his tenure so far is that it was kind of bookended by two... I'm going to use the word Daishian. Uh, and I suppose we do this with every manager, but kind of very Daish-like performances. So 2-1-0 wins, Arsenal the 1-0, and yeah. Bournemouth the final day. But quite a lot of what happened in the middle of that felt like the kind of the polar opposite of what you'd expect from a Daish team. I remember watching them at Leicester and thinking... This is absolutely not what I expected from a Sean Dice yeah. team. It's like it's really open, it's quite chaotic. There's no sense of managing the game. There's no sense of now or game savvy. Um, it, it's just bizarre to, to, to kind of watch it. It's almost a bit like a ba- basketball game and probably I'd back Leicester in a basketball game more than Everton yeah. given some of the players at their disposal. After the game, I wrote about how Everton weren't really kind of a typical Sean Dice team. Certainly not a, a, a Dice team from his time at Burnley. But I think what he had in his head was that the squad was so short of options going forward that they had to almost create stuff themselves by pressing higher, yeah. winning the ball higher, throwing men into the box. If you've not got kind of one big target man, then you need three or four little guys to kind of get in and around it. Um, obviously, the main thing for Daesh was very quickly giving the players a clean slate, bring him back in from the cold. I mean, Ducore, obviously... Michael Keane comes back into the fold to, to kind of an extent, but but Ducore is the main one, isn't he, in terms of kind of what he does and and kind of how he's used. And I think there he was used very much how Benitez deployed him, where it was you're the first man breaking from the midfield, but you're also the first man from the attack back into the midfield as well when we're defending and. 
I think there that role suits him down to a ground, down to the ground because he's he's not refined in possession, but he's a runner. He provides yeah. legs. I think he's far more tactically savvy than we give him credit for. And actually, without Ducore, Dice struggled to bounce the team at all. Yeah. You look at the performances when he was out of the team, and they were the worst performances of the of the Dice kind of era so far. So, so a lot of it is is kind of Dice coming in and bringing back somebody like him, who's who's obviously kind of had a massive impact. Yeah. And even like the Spurs, I know like he got sent off in the Spurs game, and we missed them massively the three games after. But it was like him missing for that last half an hour at Spurs was was huge as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, they were there to be beaten that night, weren't they? And mm. you could see that when they went one nil up, and you just sort of like, oh, well, you know. We'll, we'll just coast on through here. Yeah. Um, but like, I think when we beat Arsenal, Adam, and like, I think we lost to Liverpool, didn't we? And then we beat Leeds and we beat Brentford. Um, got a, the odd pointer here and there away from home. And I sort of thought we're gonna we're gonna be all right here. We're gonna we're gonna probably gonna coast this and, and get out of trouble with a couple of games to go. And then it just all started to turn a little bit, didn't it? Again, and you know the, the two games that stand out for me are, are Fulham at home and, and Newcastle at home. Um, where you know Fulham was one where like the team was just, just like I think that was probably our worst performance on the dice that that day, mm. um, like just horrendous tactics, lumping the ball forward to Neil Mope. Um, had no idea what was meant to be going on. Um, and then Newcastle, it was almost like everyone like threw themselves into it, didn't they? Like you know we had the we had the mm. bus welcome again. They had yeah. fireworks before the game. Like you know Don was back in in the starting lineup. We had something quite close to our our best 11 and you know after a, a decent first half they just got legged and just I remember looking at that clip of Isaac running past Keane and a few others over and over again thinking you know defending like that you do not deserve to stay in this league and, and, and after that game it just all felt very very bleak again to me and we were, we were in the bottom three we had Brighton to come we had City to come and it was a bit like you know this is going to be tough again now I think I have a different view about the Fulham game in particular in the, what annoyed me about the Fulham game was that obviously for the first like 20 odd minutes Fulham were the better team we made a tactical switch brought an extra man back into midfield didn't we change change up the formation a little bit and for the last (laughs) Matt Luskers just walked in here by the way (laughs) and uh, for the last like 20 minutes of the the, the first half battered them Probably, yeah. probably could score yeah. more than the one goal. Yeah, Mope has a great chance. Chances, yeah. yeah, so like, probably should have scored more than the one goal that we did, and it was quite obvious that Fulham were there for the taking at that point. Nothing changed the half time. Neither team, from my recollection, changed in terms of personnel. Don't know whether Fulham changed their shape slightly or, but it wasn't really no- that noticeable to me. And Everton just didn't turn up after the after the half time break, and that's what really annoys me. Like for the last twenty minutes of that first half against Fulham, Everton proved that those players on that pitch could have yeah, won that yeah, game. Yeah. And you know, there, there was yeah. a debate about whether Sims should have started over Mope, and that, that I think I, I seem to remember that was the big overriding yeah. point after after the game. Genuinely, I don't think it mattered. That was like, the game. Was off the game after Chelsea when he scored. Maybe it was, it was the yeah. one or two after, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was quite close, yeah. wasn't it? But like, I, I, I just remember thinking to myself, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like those in those twenty minutes, those players proved that they had the upper hand on that Fulham team. They, they could have got a win out of that game, yeah. and they just folded. That second half was as like I, I, yeah. I would agree with you for the second half. That's 
probably the worst Everton have played under Dice. They just completely capitulated. Didn't have like that was the only time under Dice when I thought those players don't have the belief, they yeah. don't have the heart. Like they they just did not they they did not believe in themselves in that second half for for some reason. And then the Newcastle game to be honest, like I know, I know it might sound defeatist, but like I was kind of going into that Newcastle game thinking, well, we're probably going to get beat by these. Like these, these are really good now, and you know we don't like to think of Newcastle being yeah, that good, yeah. but they are. So I wasn't really that concerned about that game. I, I remember being a bit more concerned about there was a Palace game away in the yeah. midst of all that, yeah, wasn't yeah. there? And I was very annoyed that we didn't win that game because. They were not asked where they are. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of conjecture from Everton fans going into the game saying it's a must win. And then when we didn't win they were going, Oh, it's a good point. But Very similar happened when we went to Leicester and we were saying yes, and we were yeah. saying, Oh, this is a must win game and then like when we didn't win, there were a lot of people saying it was a good point. Now obviously in hindsight, the fact that we went to Brighton and won made that a good point, I understand. But at that, at those times, I remember just being really annoyed. Yeah, it's only a good point because Mason Holgate did what everybody expected him to, <laughs> yeah, apart yeah. from Sean Dyche. Yeah, yeah. And got yeah. Just, just before you go into it, like as well, I was, was going to bring that up. Like before the Palace game, at the start of that week, we'd uh, Mathlos. We'll, we'll get him in. We're talking about the end, very end of the season, mate. So it's, it's some some positivity coming up. But um, I was just just saying to Paddy there, like. But going into that Palace game, it was the night before Chairman Bill statement. did that yeah. statement. The accounts have come out that week again with Chairman Bill on, and he's spoken about how, you know, how he'd loved that Leicester game and the Palace game from last season. And like the off pitch stuff had like simmered for a little bit in the build up to that, and like under Dice, it's sort of like gone to the back a little bit. They'll protest, but it wasn't like full vociferous in the ground like it was after the Southampton game. Yeah. But it all kind of felt like that was bubbling up again around that point, and it was a bit like. Are the wheels going to come off a little bit here? Yeah, well, I think the timing of it's the main thing. I mean, he's obviously well within his rights to push back on what whatever he wants to push back on and kind of have his say. Just Bill, on, yeah, chairman, on, on chairman Bill yeah, yeah. on on kind of big important issues. But did t- picking the Friday before a really crucial game to effectively push back on what? kind of a fan group had said about him was, was utterly bizarre timing of it made no sense whatsoever and it felt like another sideshow a little bit like the Southampton game felt like another sideshow um, ahead of a really important fixture so it's difficult in that situation isn't it you look at it and you think that all focus should be on the pitch should be on what's happening you don't want the outside noise but again they've created the outside noise they've, they've almost harmed the team in kind of taking that approach, so I mean, I, I I thought that was as bad, more or less, as what we saw against Southampton. Just purely because of everyone went into that thinking Everton need to win this game, at the very least, not lose it, and and then you get kind of statements yeah. <laughs> less than twenty four hours before the game. It's, it's so so strange. Um, Matt, we're going to bring you in here. How, how did you feel at that point in the season about everything? Um, you know, that was before the Newcastle game and. No, I, I always remember, we, we, you messaged me about this the other day, saying, you know, I said that you said after Newcastle, we had a one in five chance of staying up, and I was like, God, if Matt thinks that, then we really are in the shit at this point. <laughs> one what? in five chance? Well, the numbers were the numbers at that point, yeah. It was 80% chance, wasn't it, to uh, go down. But no, at that point, I mean, I, 
pretty much felt in the last half of the season how I felt in the last half of the previous season, which was, yeah, I knew there was a possibility of it, but my philosophy is I don't stay miserable longer than I have to, so up until it actually happened, I wasn't going to let myself lose sleep over it. And, yeah, that's Southampton Gates about the statement. I thought that the before the uh, Southampton game, it was outrageous, and, like, I'm sure you've gone into that. Yeah. I just thought that Chairman Bill's statement was grimly hilarious. <laughs> it was just so cartoonish. He, he, the yeah. fact that he just, like, he just didn't take any sort of criticism no. at all. He was just, like, any any single bit of criticism oh, that I can fight me? back against. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, do you know what I heard people saying? It, it, it was the question mark, exclamation mark. It was a stream of Kerouac, uh, consciousness, <laughs> like Kerouac or something. Yeah. It was really bizarre. And there was, like, constant yeah. ellipsis in it, and I'm thinking, like... Yeah. It's, what's this? What? Yeah. Like, I remember people say at the time, like, oh, a PR person's written that for him. Like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. Like, yeah. You could hear him saying it in your head as you read it. A dramatic writer has written that, and there is only one famous dramatic writer at the club. Did you see the one Levy put out soon after? And from Daniel. <laughs> from Daniel, that was oh, it, yeah. Chairman Dan. Yeah, I almost expected, like, an XO after. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going yeah, on? Yeah, the only possible ghostwriter of that statement was Richard Keyes. It was that <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that was mad. Let's finish off. Like, obviously, in the, we spoke about Bournemouth quite a lot in the week, so we don't delve too much into that. But the game which kept us up, Adam, I think, really, obviously, was Brighton, wasn't yeah. it? Um you threw your phone at me. Oh, Matt's Matt's not agreeing. We'll 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 come to Matt in a minute. But you threw threw your phone at me when you, we scored the third goal. Not deliberately. Like you, 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 you've <laughs> I failed. You've to twisted it. that. Yeah, you've twisted um, that. But I mean, just just it's just mad that it's even happened. Now, like watching Brighton in every game after that, thinking bloody hell, these are such a good side. How did we beat these five the one? But, but yeah, I know, it's just like, but like just everything was right. You know, from the early goal. Yeah. Allowing us to sit in and spring on the counter. Mm. That McNeil Decore having the best game of the season. It was just, you know, Dom was amazing, wasn't he? In that first half yeah. as well, he played so well. Like just don't try and explain it. Something just that, well, that's can, can you explain it or no. not? No, <laughs> legitimately no. Like it, it, it was just absolutely nuts. Like, like the best counter attack and performance I've seen ever and produce yeah. in probably all my time watching the club. Like yeah. it was, it was absolutely because we've had like snippets of that like counter attacking football over the years. Like the one that always gets me is like, you know, when Lukaku scored in that one one against Man City. Yeah, like, yeah that yeah. was a great bit of counter attacking football. Wolfsburg but with, with away, yeah, away, yeah, yeah, yeah. great counter attacking football on display there. But to do it so consistently in the like we had Dwight McNeil dancing around their keeper and celebrating Walking. before he'd even he put did it, it in. Sparkly. Like yeah. gen- genuinely, like. That is that is insane. Uh, like, could you imagine being like one of like like well for now like a, a Leeds or Leicester fan watching that and just going oh no <laughs> <laughs> like oh oh no yeah. like what 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 on earth has just happened like that's it like so obviously like we we look at the fact that you know in in ninety four and ninety seven we had some absolute screamers on the final day yeah. that have that have saved Everton we had an absolute screamer on the final day this year to save Everton but to like to go to Brighton like Brighton who like comfortably finished Europa League you guys are right for a drink? Oh, I yeah, right. to go to Brighton who's like comfortably now finished Europa League and 
to do that to them, which, you know, I don't think any other side in the Premier League has done that to them this year. Like, I've, I've, I've not lost a home anytime. Uh, I've not, I've, I've not researched it. Like, may, maybe somebody like beat them heavily before, but like to to do that against them really just like humble them tactically. Really, I, I know obviously Pickford pulled off some incredible saves in that second half because you know he's Jordan yeah. Pickford. At the end of the day, he's gonna yeah. do that, but. Brighton defensively just looked absolutely shambolic. We made them look shambolic defensively. Like every time Everton went forward. They had played on the Thursday before. Well, even. But even still, I I seem to remember they made a few changes, didn't they? They they made. McAllister was on the bench. Yeah, they made four or five changes to the team. Even then, though, the the team that they put out, I I remember being nervous before before the game going. But yeah, as, as you say, like so many players just put in. Fantastic performances there. And, Me to come back into the team. Yeah. At what point yeah. did you actually think Everton were going to win the game? Because I didn't at settle. Five, at five one. <laughs> at five, genuine, genuinely, I, at five I didn't one. settle on it until about eighty-five minutes in. I'd, I'd throw, I'd my phone across the pub at, at, at three nil, like just to explain myself. It was when. It was on that third goal, wasn't it? So like we had the chance, we had the opportunity to score, yeah, and then we didn't. Yeah. And then the move like escalated for a further like ten seconds. So I had my phone in my hand already because I was just like mid text, <laughs> and I like because the move had kind of like broken down and then like like restarted. Yeah. I kind of just lost my grip on my phone. And the so, goal like, was a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the goal was a, yeah, yeah, the goal was a real surprise. So like I just like quite literally was, chucked yeah, my phone. Yeah, 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 so I, I did just quite literally chuck my phone across the pub. As soon as uh, as soon as that went in, so yeah, I just quite quite like to explain myself. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, how kind of Evertonian pessimism works? Because at three 0 I'm thinking if they score within the first kind of ten fifteen minutes, yes. yeah. this could end up three three or four three. Yeah. And maybe that's not based on any kind of rational thought, but it's it's just what goes but through your head. Even, at those even when they pulled one back to make it four yeah. one, I was yeah. like. I had that as well. I was thinking, if they they score a second before 85, then they've got probably about 10 minutes to get two goals. And Everton can definitely concede two in 10 minutes. Do you know what went through my head when James Garner missed that chance to make it four? Dembele against Liverpool in the Champions League, when everyone was like, he should have scored to make it 4 0. They're going to come back and win 4 3 now in the second leg. It's like, you're going to be our our Dembele lad. But, um, Matt, you didn't think that was the key game in keeping us up? No. Leicester. If you look oh, okay. at the context of like the last, well, the last game and save. everything like that, yeah, yeah. like that was that was the moment in the actual game, yeah. Like, because if we go and lose that game, we go three one down. We don't come back to draw. We know that much. Yeah. So they get three points, we get none. So instead of being one one, instead of being par, they're three ahead of us then, and then we have to go into that Brighton game staring down the barrel. And I don't think we pull out that performance against Brighton. I think that draw set it up. So I think that is. I mean, mathematically, it was the key game because that's what gave us that little tiny sliver above Leicester to get we over the line. The difference above Leeds as well, which took the pressure off a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. But then, yeah, the that that was just the one for me. Like every way you look at it, the the mathematics of it and just the flow of it going into the next game, we would have been a lot a lot lower than twenty yeah. <laughs> percent. Didn't didn't they lose like five three to Fulham that day as well? Or something mad like that. Yeah. Leicester. Yeah. They, they got smashed, didn't they? Yeah, that was a turning point of the day. Yeah. Definitely. But even then, wasn't that wasn't that game like 
5-1 or 5-2 yeah, 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 at some point. We were there like salivating over the yeah. goal different shift and then they just keep <laughs> chipping away more going, yeah. no, no, don't. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's only a shame that like, because Forrest played, did Forrest play after us that day as well? And Forrest, yeah, they beat Forrest they won. Freedom, yeah, yeah, like that, that was that was a real back and forth game. It would have been, like looking back, it would have been better if Forrest had lost that, but yeah, that's been a little bit greedy now isn't it one of my abiding images from the season doesn't even involve Everton it was when I think it was Leeds were playing Liverpool and I was watching the game and I let out a kind of a whelp (laughs) so my girlfriend's in the other room she turns to me and says Leeds just scored I was like no Liverpool and she was so confused (laughs) She, she just couldn't get her head around (laughs) <laughs> me wanting that to happen and I was like this is what Everton have, have brought us to how many games do we have to cheer them on specifically in this two, season two two at minimum Bournemouth, they went to Bournemouth as well didn't they and got beat yeah but then Salah put the penalty over didn't they against yeah them. we put the, the yeah. lost didn't they we wanted yeah. to win that we game to win that. we wanted to win against Leeds Leeds and Leicester were the two there. yeah Merseyside yeah. Merseyside yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it that fella said on Twitter like me and my dad are sat here watching it and every time the ball goes up we go ah oh, ball <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I, I, saw, I saw somebody on Twitter say it was like the best feeling in the world watching like a contentious decision <laughs> yeah no it's going to go no <laughs> it's offside but it's going to go it's going to go for us here yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. um, are, there, are there any other moments that stand out from from the season just that were a bit mad like I like sort of hinted before but Mope not being allowed to play against Leeds and everyone fuming when in, probably in hindsight there's a bit of a favour really he usually uh, against Leeds as well which was annoying I, like I thought if we had that game because if you see like the pictures of him when he was at Brighton and yeah, even g- before that Stephans, giving them yeah. like, the whole what's it called Christ of Redeemer pose yeah. it's too um, bad we didn't get that isn't well, it any other weird moments that stand out from the season yeah, we've, we've, I mean beating uh, Western Sydney Wanderers 5-1 in Australia Anthony Gordon Hattrick I forgot that we even played in Australia yeah. <laughs> who was it that was kind of paralysed on the floor when Bournemouth scored a goal in the Premier League game and it's just like it was the most obvious foul ever oh yeah it was yeah. was it Michael yeah, Keane yeah, yeah. yeah. just kind of lying prone on the floor as Bournemouth scored and everyone's like well yeah this is obviously going to be disallowed yeah. and then they just waved it on we had some weird vars as well didn't we Van Dijk nearly taking an arm his kneecap out and yeah. not getting sent yeah. off who tackled the a guy against oh, Mitrovic yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that was quite a bad one. Yeah. yeah like, I, I was genuinely shocked when Lucas Moura got sent off. <laughs> yeah. Against us, to be honest. Yeah. That, that, wasn't yeah. that, like, that's that's got to be like the first yeah, time in like two years that somebody had been doing that as well, by the way. That was, yeah, that goal was insane, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that, is that, like, uh, that is, that is the, the most conflicted I've ever been about an Everton goal. Gen- <laughs> genuinely. Because it went in and I was like instantly made up and then I was instantly just like so annoyed that like I he gave away that penalty. <laughs> like it was his fault for that penalty in my eyes and I was just like Were you sort of like, like, like oh he's going to be in the team again next week now after that. Yeah. I was a bit like oh. But like that, that's probably the most surprised I've just been in an effort goal like like of all the people to take aim from 25 yards I just did not expect Michael Keane to just go do you know what? I'm just going to ping this in yeah um, <laughs> shout out for Yerry Mina falling on Jordan Pickford as well against Bournemouth yeah. late on that was yeah. absolutely fantastic what about uh, the one where he was like pretending to bite Dom Solanke 
That was that weird, that. Was, yeah. <laughs> the whole, the whole Dom situation was very strange. I don't know why he pulls over Pickford in that yeah. scenario. Like, I, d- I don't know what he's trying to do. Is he, is he just trying to go, ooh, I'm ex-Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that what he was trying to do? Yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. weird. A bit weird. Shout yeah. out for Seamus Coleman, by the way. His goal against Leeds. Still not sure he meant to. He did. No, he, he did. did. Yeah, he he did. did. No, so weird. That's you told. We had moments since away. Lesson was Godfrey, wasn't it? The, oh, in Harl- in the first player yeah. to absolutely rattle Harlan this yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. And he should have been sent <laughs> off and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that yeah. was a stone wall. Harlan and De Bruyne, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Had, uh, had quite contentious ones, shall we say. Yeah. I mean, that in itself is a mad moment. One of only two teams to take points at the Etihad this season. Oh, wasn't Brentford, is it? Wasn't Brentford, yeah. Wasn't Brentford. That is mad. Yeah. I love Harlan's face that day. There's like this one video of the two of them in a corner, and his face is like congealed. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just fantastic. It's and presumably not one of our players bet on us to wear. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You say that now he's been found guilty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what? Unless anyone's got any more, we will leave it there. Um, I hope you're still all feeling quite happy after going through that again, because everyone was in a great mood before this, and you know. It was grim at times, but we made it through together. Um, so cheers to Adam, Paddy and Matt. That has been your review of the season. Uh, we can finally put it to bed now and start talking about transfers and next season and how we're going to be amazing. So we will leave it there. But um, yeah, that's the toppies. We'll catch you again soon. Podcast Network.